The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's, the sun is shining today, Brian, so I think the sun being out is always a good thing and a, a mood lifter. Um, and I had a nice weekend catching up with family as well, so all good here. How are you? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good, actually. It was. It was a beautiful weekend, actually. It's um, beginning of March, isn't it? So, in fact, it's the 8th of March uh, today. <laughs> Um, and um, yeah, it was a beautiful weekend, and I'm looking forward to the PMAS dinner on Friday, mm. actually. Um, so that'll be really good. Uh, so today's the um, the 8th of March, it's International Women's Day, and for the full month of March, we've been speaking to women in property management. Today, we're chatting to Annie Flint, founder of Under One Roof, a not-for-profit that offers impartial advice on repairs and maintenance for flat owners in Scotland. She has worked for Glasgow City Council, and the Tenant Participation Advisory Service, and is now semi-retired, um, and I'm going to be doing some other projects. So, Annie, great to talk to you. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great, thanks, Bran. It's nice to be here and speaking to you. Thank, thanks very much. So, um, I guess the burning question for me is, why did you start Under One Roof? Well, Under One Roof was really just updating the Tenement Handbook which I, and, and I should also mention John Gilbert here. John Gilbert has been my, my co-partner in crime throughout all of this. Um, John Gilbert is a really brilliant conservation architect, um, like me, also semi-retired now. Okay. But um, the Under One Roof actually updated the Tenement Handbook, which I started writing in the mid-1980s. So I think you probably have to ask, why did I write the Tenement Handbook? And it goes back, I suppose you have to go back to when I bought my first flat in Edinburgh, which is, this is almost 50 years ago. I must have been one of the first 18-year-olds to buy a flat. You know, at that point, you couldn't wow. buy a flat until you are 21, which was the age, age of majority. And living in this block very happily, and Edinburgh Council used to send round inspectors who checked every tenement. Um, and they sent out notices telling owners that they had to fix the gutters or, or whatever. And one owner, normally the one who lived longest in the block, would sort of come round and chat the doors and say, we'll be in trouble if we don't, don't get this done. And we all paid up and the repair got sorted out. And then I moved to Glasgow. And the first flat I bought was in a terrace of listed buildings that needed huge repairs. And a residence association had been set up and they'd got architects and they got grants. And I joined them. And I was working in the housing department in Glasgow City Council at the time. So I was doing all this kind of work on a professional basis. So I, I, I got welled in as well. And we got things done. Um, and in the midst of all of this, I got my first factors built. And I did not have a scooby who or what factors were. Right. And I looked at this bill and, and, and it had this amount for insurance. And it was a silly little amount. And I couldn't work out what on earth 
could be possibly be insured for that small amount. So as I sent in my cheque, you know, I sent in a letter saying, could you explain what this amount for insurance is? Is this enough? Are we really getting something sensible? And I got no reply. I got the next bill. Um, so when the next bill came, I replied saying that they hadn't managed to answer my previous question. I don't think I could manage to pay their bill. And they just came back to me said, saying they'd take me to court. And that, was a, that was just a red rag, wasn't it? You know, especially <laughs> a person like me. So um, a couple of days later, I was at a party. We were young then, you know, we did these things. And I met John and we ended up talking about flats and tenements and all these other things. And at that point, John was working with the early community-based housing associations in Govan and other parts of Glasgow. And they were kind of refurbishing all, all of these old tenements and making them fit for, for the next century, this century. And they were experiencing problems of trying to get owners to maintain the tenements that had just been refurbished. So we ended up deciding we were going to write a book on it and assist architects, who he worked for then, got some grant money together. And they put in some of their own money. And I left my job with Glasgow City Council and I went to work for them. I wrote the book. And, you know, it all just went from there. But, but of course, this is back in the 1980s, you know, the mid-1980s. The moment it was written, it was out of date. Yeah. Uh, we kept putting in these sort of A4 sheets of paper updating things. And these sheets of paper got into big wads of stuff. And people still love the book. You know, people still want to give it as housewarming presents, you know, and things like that. But it just got to the stage where it just wasn't sustainable to keep trying to sell it as a book. And we realized that a, a website was needed. So that was how Under One Roof came came about. I mean, it, it took me two or three years to raise the money. And I think sometimes I was just working two or three days a week, you know, just in my own time, going to meetings, et cetera, to try and convince people to provide the funding. And, you know, the person who, who kicked it off, who, who put the first chunk of money in, was Neil Watt from Hacking and Patterson. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and that chunk of money he put in really helped embarrass everybody else to put the cash in. And things just really got going from there. So, so that's how Under One Roof came to be, you know. <laughs> wow, that's hugely interesting. Actually, I remember your book. I remember seeing it on some desks in in probably management companies and people yeah. talking about it as well because i can't i can't i'm trying to remember how long i've been supplying software to this industry probably about 25 years so <laughs> so you know i've seen that book on a few desks yeah okay. yeah I, and people always said to me that you know factor said they used it for training and, and they use under yeah. one roof for training and yeah. and we're always really aware that you know, under one roof, it, it's there for property owners and their advisors. You know, and those advisors, they could be factors, they could be solicitors, they could be architects, they could be people who are who are installing energy efficiency. You know, it's also for all of those people because, you know, we don't really think flat at all, do we? You know, everything is set up for houses. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you just have to look back at what happened during COVID. Um, when everybody was saying, stay in your home. And people were getting on to me and saying, I live in a flat. You know, if I take my bin out to the back court, am I leaving my home? Am I using up my one hour of exercise in a week? Uh-huh. You know, none of these things were really set up to talk about flats. Um, I mean, it's one of the first things, or one of the things I did when I worked for Glasgow City Council, they kind of hauled me in to help them set up their 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 computer property system. And I realized on about the first day I got there 
that it didn't have any kind of way of recognizing the communal party. You know, and, and I had to get them to sort of change the system to set up a unique property reference number that covered the communal property, not just each mm. flat. And I was really shocked recently when I found out registers of Scotland don't have any unique property reference number for a communal property. Uh-huh. We're still at that kind of stage. Um, so, you know, I just think we still have this huge do- job to do to try and get people to think about flats and communal properties and the fact they're different from houses yeah yeah that, that's why my we campaigns you know <laughs> yes no, no 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 sounds good sounds good did you ever find out what the small insurance amount was for did they ever come back to you um well i think i eventually found out after a lot of research that it was a small amount of money for fire insurance of the common property right um, okay but of course you know we all had individual um common insur- uh, insurance policies, which cover a certain amount of that common policy. Sure. But I would advise people going down that route these days, I would say, get a common policy because, yeah, yeah. you know, absolutely. they are just so much better. More yeah, expensive, absolutely. but then you get what you pay for, I think, you know. Yep, but absolutely, absolutely. Nothing's free, is it? Um, so you work closely with flat owners in Scotland. Can you tell us the most common complaints you hear? Well, I'll tell you, the most popular page on Under One Roof is the one on enforcing repairs. Okay. Other owners to accept their responsibility for their share of repairs and get them to pay up. And I bet every factor who's listening is going, yeah, yeah, we know that. You know, we totally understand that. Um, recently, we've had more queries about water leaks from flats above and also queries about insurance premiums. You know, why common insurance is, is so expensive and, and what factors commissions on insurance are for. A lot of people just feel factors are just taking too much. Uh, and I... I don't know if they are. Some maybe are. A lot aren't. But, I mean, people just don't really understand that, that the whole lot of insurance is going up incredibly. And yeah. when they look on these um, these price comparison sites, you know, what they're getting is an introductory offer that is full of caveats. And they yeah. don't read the small print to understand that, I think, you know. But, yeah. yeah, it's enforcing repairs. That has been the big issue all the way through and still is and will continue to be, I think. Know, until we get some really good legislative changes. Yeah, talk yeah. About a minute, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've had many conversations with industry leaders in property factoring, and one common theme that keeps arising is the perception of property factoring. Uh, with your knowledge, what advice would you give to the industry to improve perceptions? Well, I think, I think for a start, I think being called factors is harmful. You know, I think it it just evokes that kind of old fear of the landlord's agent or the land, the laird's lackey. You know, people had the power to turf people out of their houses for absolutely no reason. And I, and I think it, it's really hard to, to kind of build trust with people when, when that lies in the back of people's minds. You know, I, I think it would really help if we, if we called it property management because that's what it is. Um, and then, you know, I think to break it down, I, I think factors have really got to think about the communications they have with people and the fact that sometimes when you report something to a factor, it's like something's going into a black box, you know, and, and, and you report something, you don't know what's happening. And when nothing happens, you assume that the factor is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You maybe don't understand that, you know, the factor is running around trying to get other owners to sign up and people are refusing, you know, going back to the thing about enforcing repairs. Um, 
And I think it would really help if factors had really good communication systems for telling owners what's happening and just saying, we are still waiting for some owners to get back to us, or, you know, we are trying to get quotes, you know, just letting people know that things are happening. It's not just nothing that's happening, because if they don't hear anything, they assume it's nothing happening. I think it'd be really good to have to have more newsletters, you know, to keep reminding people about things such as your agents. You, you don't own the property. You, you know, while you may have more skills than, than most owners, you don't actually have any more powers than the individual owners do to deal with their neighbours who just won't pay up. Uh-huh. Um, and I think setting up owners associations, I think, is, is a really good thing to do because they don't just help with, with communications. I think they help build in, in leadership. And I think the best decisions, and this is something that goes back to, to when I worked the Tenant Participation Advisory Service, you always found out that the best decisions are made by groups of people who discuss things and all the ins and outs and the pros and cons, and they're much more likely to come up with a good decision than individuals who just left to themselves will often tend to think just very short term mm-hmm. and sort of vote on the basis of, of almost fear rather than the future. So communications, owners' associations, and let's turn the whole industry around and call everybody property managers, not factors. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. That's interesting. I, I mean, we, we I, I guess the communication thing comes into, um, you know, CPL, my software business, that, that supplies the majority of factors in, in Scotland. And, and, you know, there's a huge amount going on in there. So they, they have um, the ability to have, or factors, property managers have the ability to have, um, client portals where the clients can go and um, and look at this information. Um, yeah. But but I guess you know lots of people like to have things pushed to them, don't they? And, yeah. and rather than rather than having to go and look themselves. So um, so one one thing I guess for for me to think about um, from a from a communication point of view is um, is how how can how can we automate um, the the communication and the to the to the client every time something changes on that case or whatever you want to call it whatever they're doing because i mean I, I get it you know the, the 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 property manager knows there's a problem um is trying to fix it and trying mm-hmm. to find do all these sort of things to to run that case or whatever you want to call it through all of the stages it needs to go through and yeah. the last thing they're probably thinking about is informing the person who told them about it because they're being proactive and trying to resolve the resolve the issue right and, and you yeah. know so if communication could come as a as a almost a byproduct of that um yeah. you know, these, yeah. these guys are very busy you know block managers aren't they so you know property managers property factors are very yeah. busy doing their job and, so. and, it, and it's it's also that constant reminder to people you know if you've got that one owner who's not paying up you know that yeah. constant reminder popping in saying your repair is not happening because yeah yeah uh, it's you just have to keep going away at people you know there's no substitute for that constant going on at people about you must do this you know yeah, no. must make it easy for people to not do repairs yeah you know absolutely absolutely i think one of your projects should be coming to give me ideas for my software i think that would yeah be a great idea. Look, I'm, I'm full of ideas but you know the, the <laughs> problem is you can have absolutely brilliant ideas and then people turn around and say well you do it then yeah yeah and sometimes you just don't have the time and capacity but yeah i'm i'm full of ideas i i'm an ideas person just give me free reign I will go, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, <do. Great. laughs> I love ideas. Great. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, we do spend a huge amount of time, and we but but we we also interact with our with with property managers and say, you know, what do you want from the system? What do you want it to do? But you know, and uh, you know, where where do we go next? How do we support your business? You know, mm. and, and where you want to go next? But but you know. It's sometimes difficult when you're at the cold face to actually come up with these kind of ideas to, to resolve the problems that yourself. Yeah. You know, now, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, it does, but but you know, you, you got to have a lot of people. It's like it's like you say, put a lot of people around the table, come up with the good ideas, and then move forward to it rather than yeah. doing it individually. So, yeah, excellent. yeah, yeah. Um, so we recently spoke to David Reed, actually, um, past president of the PMAS, mm. and, on, and on his podcast, he talked about the industry needing to educate downsizers and first-time buyers about property factoring. Do you agree with that? And what would be your best advice? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with, with David on this. I mean, it, it, this has been one of my things, actually, is, is getting that kind of education to people. Um, I mean, one of the things I have done, and this is something which factors can pick up on, um, is that I wrote an informed guide for Historic Environment Scotland. Okay. Now, they've never actually printed it, but property factors could download it and they could print it themselves and they could give that to anyone who is, um, you know, just a new owner, even some of the older owners, I would say. And it covers the basics of tenement management in older properties. You know, it's intended for those new to tenement life. So people could download that, they get printed or they just send links to, to all new owners. But, but, you know, really, we need to get people before they buy. Mm-hmm. We need to get them to build in the anticipated cost of repairs before they commit themselves to sort of spending all of their cash on a huge mortgage with just something left for doing new kitchens or windows. And they've got nothing left to pay for, pay for the roof. Yeah. I, I think people, people always decide they're going to spend the most they properly properly can on a mortgage yeah and they've left nothing for repairs you know they just don't anticipate that repairs are going to be needed and, and i i really think we need much better home reports i mean yeah this is one of the things that i fought for i was i was a member of uh this local conservation group called friends of glasgow west and um it was at the time the I think it was the 2006 Act was going through and we sent our chair through to speak to um, the, the Scottish Parliament at that point. And, you know, we said to her, you must hammer the point that we need home reports. And we got them and we've managed to keep them, but they do need to be much, much better. And I think the problem is they're built on insufficient information. And I would really like to see them having much better property inspections uh, in there. And, but you, I mean, you can't expect the one owner who is selling their property to spend thousands and thousands on, on, on getting the whole property inspected. That's got to come through these regular property inspections mm-hmm. they were talking about at the, at the Scottish Parliamentary Working Group. You know, they've got to be done and the results from those have got to be built into the home reports. And, and, and that almost goes back to that thing I was talking about, about, you know, the sort of registers of Scotland not having this this way of lodging these home reports against a communal property and relating it to the individual flat. That, that's yeah. going to be a tricky thing to get over. And I'm sure as someone who's in IT, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. But, but, you know, but people ought to have this information. They yeah. need to know what repairs are going to be coming up in the near future so they can plan for them. They need to know that a certain amount has got to be set aside in a building reserve fund every month. Yeah. You know, affordability. 
of repairs is going to be the key thing and getting people to think about that before they even go and look at a flat I think is one of the key things that we have to do yeah no no I I get that because you know you 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 there could be one that's well looked after and and the amount of and they've spent a lot of money on it and down the street there could be one that's not been well looked after and the home report probably doesn't come up with much um in it to point towards that so uh yeah. so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, and also you know a property in good repair isn't at the moment worth an awful lot more than one that's in really poor repair. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's a problem with the market as well. That, that I mean, I, I think some adjustments are going to be needed there. And that might be painful for some people. You know, I can, I yeah. can see this coming. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can you can understand from the homeowner, you know, uh, or you can, well, maybe not, well, yeah, understand it and not agree with it. But but you can you can see it, you know, okay, the one down the street sold for X, I'm maybe going to get 3% less than that if I do nothing. So... Mm-hmm where's the driver to do something you know mm. but then you've got you know the, there's three people that think that way you've got three people the three other people in the property who actually want to look after it you know mm. so it is a it is a big big issue yeah 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 so, yeah yeah um, um do you think the property factors act has helped relationships and do you think the act could be further improved and how yeah, I mean, I've kind of got mixed feelings about the act. I mean, I mean, I think on the one hand, it's been it's been really great. You know, when you hear people grumbling about their factors, you, you know, you can point to the code of conduct. You can point to the fact they have to have that written statement of service. You can point to the fact that there's the first tier tribunal there to sort of deal with some sort of things that have gone really wrong and that there's a full complaint process. You can say that there is a mechanism for dealing with the grumbles and that people should use them. But then sometimes... You know, I think of it as being like having this short stretch of motorway with miles of single track road on either side leading up to it and following on on from it. You know, and you've got this single track road leading up to the motorway and that's properties which are in need of this huge amount you know, of investment and repairs. And then you've got the single track road on the other side. It's owners who are, can't afford to pay or unwilling to pay or just don't have that kind of maintenance culture. And I sometimes think the act is just like speeding up the distance between those two traffic jams. You know, I think we've got to deal with those traffic jams. You, you can't just keep having dealing with this thing that's in the middle. You know, there's far more that needs to be dealt with on either side just to make life better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that. I tend to agree with that. Um, so, how do you feel the tenement steering group is progressing? Well. So this is the Scottish Parliamentary Working Group on Tenement Maintenance, um, Mm -hmm. which I think the government's pretty much accepted all the findings of that. Um, But it it is going very slowly. Um, uh, And at at Under One Roof, we keep speaking to Scottish government officials, you know, the ones who are trying to deal with energy efficiency, the ones who are trying to deal with all the overcladding issues. And we keep saying to them that they won't get these situations sorted without having proper owners associations and proper Mm -hmm. building reserve funds. Um, and, and these things have got to be written into the title deeds to make them work. But, you know, we can't go down this route of getting 200,000 flat owners to commission solicitors and consult lenders, et cetera, et cetera. We've got to make the proposals compulsory by legislation. But, you know, so, you know, we're talking about legal proposals, which would kind of sit on top of title deeds, you know, existing titles. But there are some titles where, you know, the, the development management scheme, which is what you know, we've based the whole concept of owners' associations on mm-hmm. just work. Now, those properties, they are a tiny minority. 
But because of that tiny minority, those the whole thing's got referred to the Scottish Law Commission. And the Scottish Law Commission are just totally occupied with looking at other legislation at the moment. And it's holding up not just standard maintenance, it's holding up the whole, you know, these whole huge other government priorities such as climate change and dealing with that and overcladding and, and fire safety. And somehow we've just got to we've just got to break down this sort of log jam at, at the Scottish Law Commission and get these things into the legislative process much, much faster. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, and, and you know, the, every year that goes by, the, the, the stock deteriorates, doesn't it? Mm. It's not being looked after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, even if it, they just got it, got development management associations and development management scheme compulsory new buildings, uh-huh. that, that would make a start. You know, even local authorities could insist as one of their planning consents, you must have this written in from mm-hmm. from the get-go. You know, yeah. that, that would that would make a start on things. Yeah, because, I mean, even, even you know, thinking about things that have been built in the last 20, 30 years, there's some of them that are just almost unmanageable now um, because, oh, of, yeah. because of repair issues and, and you know, I, I don't know, yeah. massive amount of absent landlords and, 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 and no desire to, to pay for repairs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we started off thinking about under one roof as being there really for the older sandstone tenement. I mean, we, sure. we cover everything. We yeah. cover buildings of every age. But now I find myself thinking that there's going to be a priority coming up. Uh, it's, it's here now. You know, mm-hmm. it's how to deal with newer buildings. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, since about 2005, um, newer properties have been built working to what they call building standards rather than building regulations. Sure. And, and when you hear people at the Scottish Government speaking about the overcladding issues and how when they've taken off the overcladding, they start to find other problems underneath. You know, so it's not just been the cladding and the fire breaks. They now find there's concrete cancer. They're finding whole issues of fire safety haven't been dealt with properly. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to find there's going to be this huge issue about how we help owners in newer blocks. It's going to become an equal priority Indeed. to dealing with the older sandstone tenements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as this is the... Um, first of our women in property management series. What's it like being a woman in in the industry? Mm. Do you know it's quite hard to answer that because I don't know what it's like being a man in property management. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. But you know, I can tell you now that I think it's much easier than it used to be. Right. You know, it used to be when I would turn up on site and I started talking technically about skews and mortar and such things, or when I yeah. said, "Yeah, can I go up in the cherry picker and have a look?" I think people, you know, men particularly would look at me and say, what, you know, who is this woman? You know, what does she know? And I don't notice that so much now. You know, I, I think people, particularly in the trades and the professions, they're used to dealing with women surveyors and women architects. Yeah. They'll be used to dealing with women property managers. Yeah. You know, I think, I think I've noticed that change. So I think it's now easier. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think it's now much easier. I think we don't have that kind of outright prejudice that we're having to face. And I think there's still a lot of hidden prejudice. But I also think women are often averse to sticking their heads out and coming forward and having the courage of their own own convictions, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think when I look back at the times when I've had most impact, I think it's been where I've stood up and articulated what I thought was right, what I thought was needed, and I've said so very clearly and publicly. Uh-huh. Um, even if I've been frightened about what people might think, you know, what they might think of me, what they might think of my ideas, I'm just frightened that the words might come out the wrong way. I think yeah. finally, you know, when I've said things 
and, and meant it and stood up, I think that's when I've had most impact. Interesting, interesting. My other half is in in property management. She's a she's a surveyor. She's a management surveyor, but on but on commercial property. Mm. Um, and I have to say that, that that over the years that I've known her, um, some of the stuff that she's done, and you know, you'll be walking along Woodside Terrace, and she'll be on top of a roof, and I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't find me up there. You wouldn't find me anywhere near that cherry picker if it wasn't on the ground. So, uh, so no, I I get I get what you mean, and and yeah, I, I, you know. I have had conversations with her in the past about, um, you know, tough days at the office and, and these sort of things and, 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 and how she's dealt with it. And yeah, yeah. So mm. interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. So before, before, so at the end of all of these um, podcasts, we go to Jax who asks kind of three quirky questions, but I just want to, at the beginning, we kind of talked about the fact you're saying we retired and you might do some projects and these sort of things. What, 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 what does that look like for you? Being semi-retired. Yeah, um, doing projects and things like that. So. Well, it means at the moment that I'm trying to plan to get away to take a holiday in Spain for about three or four weeks. But yeah. I'm also looking at some of these other things that are kind of behind some of the issues. And uh, one of the things I I would like to be doing is is getting some kind of social financial institution set up, which could take people's contributions to, to building reserve funds right use them in a way that would be really helpful for other owners yeah. um, i was really struck i found this organization called lendology um, and they operate down in the west country in in england and um, they got a big chunk of money from the government and from local authorities and they lend that out to owners who want to make home improvements, uh, whether it's energy efficiency or whether it's accessibility. Um, and then they, they, they make these loans on really good rates and they get a great repayment rate from owners. And they've uh -huh. effectively just got a big recyclable fund yeah. that helps people with energy efficiency um, and improvements. And I would really like to have one of those in Scotland. And I would like it to take in you know, all the building reserve contributions that people make and find a way of lending those out to people who need to carry out repairs and having trouble financing it. I must be mad to think about this, but, you know, people said that I had to think about under one roof. You know, it, so. no, but, I mean, it's a, it's a fair point because, you know, so, so um, you know, there's, there's currently a building in Glasgow that's got a, a fairly sizable problem with a tower. Mm. And, I, and I used to live very close to it and I've just moved actually, which is the reason I know because it happened a week before I moved and, and uh, you could not you could not get access um yeah. legally um unless you went up a one-way street, which they've now made two way to get to where I lived. And and yeah. um and you know you've you've got a building that has massive historical value to the to the city of Glasgow. Um and you've got and I, I don't know, I can't I don't know how many flats are in it. Um, but you've got all these flats in it, and the cost—I I, can—it I, must be eye-watering the cost to repair that tower, you know. And, and, and how do you expect these people who live in that house to be able to do, or live in these flats to be able to do that? Because you know, I mean, that you know, it's probably the value of the house times two or three each, you know. So. Well, ab absolutely, and and there are other blocks of flats where. You know, we kind of went through this whole phase um, of saying, well, look, you know, we'll just put all the costs on owners. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so, and even people who buy a house in a new estate don't realize they could be responsible for maintaining the play area and all the grounds. Yeah. And we just shoved all these costs, which were once taken on by the public sector, onto private owners. 
mean, there are blocks down on the Clyde who are responsible for maintaining the banks of the Clyde. You know, and they madness, individual it? owners. Yeah. Um, and individual owners buy these places and think, oh, there's a nice view of the Clyde. You know, and they don't realise what they're buying into because it's not really upfront in their faces in the home report. Yeah. Gone back yeah. to the previous question here, isn't it? You know, yeah. Huge problems that we just keep shoving on owners thinking that they can afford everything. But, you know, low income owner occupation is one of the biggest problems that we face. You know, we don't yeah. have the amount of socially rented housing that we used to have. So all the people in the past who would have lived in socially rented housing are now having to buy. Yeah. I'm not any richer. You know, they're just yeah. ordinary people who are struggling like a lot of people from a month to month basis. They mm -hmm. own their properties. They've got no needs. You know, they can afford it, you kind of think. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have no doubt that you're gonna pick up on a lot of these things in your semi retirement once you've managed your holiday to Spain to yeah. to, to, to try and do what you can. You you talk, you talk very passionately about it, which is absolutely fabulous. I'm having trouble holding myself back sometimes and I keep trying. I, I think God, you must have got to this age and, and know that you can't do all these things. <laughs> I yeah, I yeah, but I guess I guess you. It, it's about I, I guess it's about kind of uh, almost a legacy and, a, and making a difference, isn't it? You know, and, yeah. and a lot of the stuff, you, a lot of your stuff you've done in your career has made a massive difference to the to the industry. So you know, I can understand why you would want to go further. So. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I think I've I've learned. Well, you know, I was listening to something about dangerous women the other day, and I kind of think I wish people were describing me as a dangerous woman. You know. <laughs> I wish I had that really thick skin to get out there and do things, you know, and, and, and I'm sure there's lots there's of much younger women in the property management industry listening. You know, and I'll just say to you, be proud of being dangerous. Yeah. Go up there, put yourself out. You know, because If I think about anything in, in, in my career where I didn't get things done, it was where I was being timid. You know, yeah. and I got things done is where I've stood up and spoken out and, you know, I'm just saying to other people, do it, you know. Do it before it's too late. <laughs> yeah, fabulous, fabulous. Okay, so so now um, I think I've spoken enough, so um, or asked enough questions anyway. So, um, Jax, if you're there for yep. our three quirky questions, do you want to fire off? Yeah, Annie, I've absolutely loved listening to you. You are inspirational. Um, I totally agree with you about the the lendology thing. It's like I live in a block of flats, and it's an old, it's a 1901 tenement in Dumbarton, and. The street is so mishmash of, um, you know, well tended to and well cared for buildings, and then you've got some which aren't so much. And I, I always try and think of how can we make it accessible and affordable to these people because it would make the area look so much nicer if they were all, you know, the same standard. So I love your idea of blendology. Um, I think that would be a a, a fantastic thing to do. I'm including you, Jax. You're going to wish you never said that now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll swap emails, absolutely. Um, so the, the first of the three quirky questions, Annie, is what's your biggest failure across your entire career and what did you learn from it? Do you know, I mean, I, I, I was trying to think about this, you know, and I find it really hard to think of one individual failure. I can think of many. Um, and, and they all come down to, to this thing about not, standing up and speaking out and and sometimes always just sort of playing by that game of convention yeah you, know, you have to write reports in a certain way and and i've often felt i shouldn't do this you know i should just come straight out in the one paragraph and say you've got to do this differently and i didn't and i stuck by the convention and mm. i 
regrets that I did that. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, I, I can't think of many failures, but I can think of things where I would have been much more successful had I just said, sod all of this. Yeah, I think as women, we're, we're conditioned to be more timid, is the word you use there. And, yeah, Everybody is. I think it's more so with, with, with women. And, but, and I do notice that younger women are much better at coming forward and standing out and doing things. Yeah. Us older women are. You know, I'm really <laughs> proud of younger women. And I look at them, I think, wow, I wish I'd been like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to, to do what you did in the 80s, that's, that, was, that was pretty forthright. And, you know, to start having those conversations and, and to move to, to then take things to where they are now. I mean, I think you're... Um, you're underselling yourself a little bit there as well. You know, you've obviously oh, yeah. done a lot to, to to change things and to influence what's going on. So, I know. I, I suppose I I keep thinking. Look, other people could have done that quite easily. I mean, I don't know if I've had any special no. skill or any special knowledge, but I was just chatting with, with my local councillor the other day, and she knows me from other work that I do. You know, in the local area, and we ended up chatting, and I pointed out to her that I'd written this website. And she said, oh, that's amazing, she said. You know, I said, look, somebody else could have done it. And she said, no, but you actually did do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I had actually done it. I had actually got up and acted. Yeah. I don't think I know anything more than any other people. I mean, there's so many cleverer people than I am around. But I think I just did it. That's I do recall actually, there was a personnel director at Glasgow City Council, and he said to me, Annie, he said, the thing we all like about you is that you've got balls. He said to me. <laughs> International Women's Day, in a way to say. Fantastic, that's great. Um, so, if you ruled the world for a day, Annie, what would you do? Okay, it's International <laughs> Women's Day, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I would do. I would deal with all this toxic masculinity that's around. Mm. I don't think about Putin declaring war on Ukraine. That's the latest. Bolsonaro in in, in Brazil. Encouraging people to chop down the rainforest, Trump. I mean, there's, there is this toxic masculinity around. It's a small number of men, but they're toxic, you know. And what I would really like to do is just take all these people, all these dictators, wherever they are, whether in Africa or Asia or the Middle East or Europe or Russia, wherever they are, I would just like to exile them on a tropical island somewhere. <laughs> you know, I don't care if they live in luxury. I don't care if they get musicians coming in and cinema and all that kind of stuff as long as they don't get internet going out so they can't influence people that's what i would really like to do you know yeah okay cool that's yeah. a, a, a big vision a big vision for a, for the world brilliant i love it yeah and if you gave me two days i think i would start to move down down the tree to the top <laughs> worn out on you know every internet channel that young people get to you know that's the yeah. next you know so yeah, sure. that's my two things just totally related to international yeah. day so brilliant cool. to give you more days there'd be other things i would do but you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know. <laughs> i think most of us would need more than a day wouldn't we yeah yeah <laughs> sadly <laughs> so when you're 70 and look back at your life what will you be glad you did or feel proud of something you've done or something you still want to do before you're 70 well you know i'm looking now I'm 67 now. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> almost semi-retired. You know? Yeah, yeah. Way back, but there are too many other things to do. 
I suppose it would have to be under one roof as being, and the tenement handbook as being those significant tangible achievements. I think yeah. those things I have to say that I did get done. I mean, there's lots of other things. I mean, I'm in some ways I'm I'm a real greenie. I'm glad I haven't left lots of rubbish around the world behind me. You know, I really do try and tread lightly on things. Um, but you know, I suppose the biggest achievement would would be under one roof that I'll look look back on and yeah hope that it's made a difference. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Keep hoping. Yeah. Well, I actually referred someone to under one roof um, just the other week because they're having problems with getting the usual stories that we've we've heard today is getting everybody involved in in repair and maintenance work. So um hopefully she'll she'll be able to get some help from the from that website. I do just hope it helps her. Yeah. 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 She's got to have tenacity. She's just gonna yeah. keep going at it. Keep going, I know. Yeah. Tripping yeah. away at people to Yeah, definitely. Cool. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Excellent, Annie. That's been absolutely fabulous. I, I actually think we should book you in for a year's time to see what you've done in your year of semi-retirement because I, I guarantee it'll be more than most people do on film working full time. Yeah, oh, so, oh, well. yeah, that would be Here's great. Hoping, hey? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to talk to you again. Anyway, Hopefully thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. I just hope all those women out there, you know, in property management, just keep making a difference, girls. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Annie. That's been absolutely thank fabulous. Thank you.